Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Research shows spending time outside can improve cognition. Chicago's Lincoln Park Zoo heard that and did something about it. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. So earlier this year, researchers at Harvard studied 62 million Medicare beneficiaries, and they found a pretty interesting result. Adults 65 and up who lived closer to nature had lower rates of hospitalization for Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and dementia. Those researchers concluded that access to parks, gardens, and bodies of water helped people living with dementia relieve stress and manage their symptoms. A new program at the Lincoln Park Zoo called Memory Enrichment is supposed to create more opportunities for people living with dementia to spend time outdoors. Now, to learn more about how it all works, we talked to Bill Green, the Accessibility and Inclusion Manager at the Lincoln Park Zoo. We started by asking Bill about the first two rounds of the Memory Enrichment Program and how engaged participants have been. So we we see different stages of people in their dementia journey, and we try to engage on all those levels, try to engage care partners also. So we really try to scaffold what we're doing. So we had a lot of fun items from around the zoo that you might never guess to know that we do things like use a toothbrush to brush our seals and had people guess and interact with these items. We did some bird calls. We always end with some stretches, some breathing. Um, And it creates a a really nice uh, level of engagement with activities, with socializing, and a lot of engagement even among the groups themselves, which is so nice to see that opportunity to talk with other people who are going through the same lived experience and share what they're going through as someone living with dementia and someone caring for somebody with dementia. Yeah, I love that you're engaging with the care partners too. How, How does that work? So we put everybody is is together and it is a program that is intended just as much for those care partners um, that they are coming and also getting a chance to break that routine of just being that care partner and Mm -hmm. having a chance to socialize and be with other people where we've heard from several people say it's really nice to come somewhere where you don't have to explain dementia and to have all that shared experience and shared knowledge about uh, People talked about other programs are doing other resources they know about. So it becomes incredibly beneficial for getting out just and breaking that routine. That's wonderful. How did this program come to be in, in the first place? Is it modeled after something that already exists? Right. So there are uh, memory cafes or programs that are done all over the country, have been done for years. There are some in Chicago and in the suburbs. Oftentimes there are programs that are done um, at libraries and, and places like that. And it's a very similar kind of idea where you're bringing people together for the, that ability to socialize and to kind of break the routine. Um, we thought there what a tremendous environment to be able to move a program like that into the zoo and make that connection with wildlife. And it really fit in with our mission of being for wildlife for all and creating spaces where we know everybody can be included mm-hmm. and find that meaningful experience at the zoo. So you are the uh, accessibility and inclusion manager, as I mentioned. So what role did you have in its creation? Uh, well, I guess I created it. <laughs> I <laughs> so guess you're, all, you're the guy. <laughs> I don't want to take all the credit because it is a big team of people at the zoo who have worked and helped on this. Um, and so I, I, I feel bad taking all the credit. But, um, I, yeah, it was just something that I was really interested 
and wanting to do. And I had um, known people with dementia, had volunteered with people with mm-hmm. dementia, and again, just knew that this you saw is, the need, right? It's we had a perfect place and opportunity to do it. Yeah, well, to that end, right? We talk about accessibility, accessibility, which is in your title, right? And it's more than just making existing programs inclusive, right? It's about developing new ones with very specific intentions and goals. So I'm curious how you define accessibility, Bill. So I think that there is a chance for everybody to come to the zoo and have a meaningful experience. And we want people to be able to know that information is provided ahead of time. When you're coming, there is infrastructure, training among staff, um, opportunities available. And I want someone to visit the zoo who identifies as disabled and say, I feel like that I I was thought about before I got here, that mm-hmm. this is a place that um, was expecting me to be here and is not having to be surprised, not having to change things, not having to feel like coming here is any kind of a burden. Mm-hmm. I want people who identify as disabled to think of Lincoln Park Zoo as the first place they want to spend their day or the first place they want to spend their career and everything in between. Yeah. Let's dig more into some of that research I was mentioning earlier. Uh, it's shown that spending as little as two hours a week in nature can reduce stress. It can lower blood pressure and improve sleep and cognition. Um, Also, it can help slow the progress of dementia symptoms, right? Um, Sensory experiences uh, with wildlife uh, are just one part of memory enrichment, as you've explained. But what kinds of sensory experiences can people expect in this program? So I I want not just memory enrichment, but for people to always think of the zoo as being a multi-sensory experience. So we really want memory enrichment to be – we're always going to be hands-on with things. We're always going to be sharing um, sounds, smells. T- uh, uh, I guess our taste because we always have things to eat and coffee to drink. But I really want there to be um, uh, not something where people are sitting there and feel like uh, they're being lectured to or talked at, but they are full participants on whatever level they feel most uncomfortable to participate in. They have the chance to opt into those things. Mm-hmm. And really, we know one of those benefits is also just improving disposition and I, I'm i happy to say people left last time with smiles on their faces. So I hope we're really yeah. achieving that. Yeah. And p- part of the educational component, right, uh, is zoo staff teaching folks lessons on animals and plants. Yes. Yeah. What are some of the, the lessons that you taught in the first two gatherings? So we've talked a lot about um, – now, when we also use the word enrichment at the zoo, we talk about those items that are in habitats for animals to use their brains, use their bodies, really use those wild behaviors that they have. And so we had items hands-on with items that animals use at the zoo. Um, again, learning about bird calls and and sharing a lot of personal experiences. So that's also something people have got to share their experiences. Um, so many people grew up with the zoo, and now here they are gr- aging and growing old with the zoo, and we want to share all of that. So. And there's a, a physical component to the program, right? It's a, a movement that you describe as low impact. Yes. Tell Just, us more. We, we've ended the sessions with some stretches, some breathing. It makes a nice cap, brings all the, the excitement. So you're stimulating to kind of a nice mind old, and body. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So how are you measuring uh, success then, the, the, the social and the health benefits of this program? 
What is that going to look like? So we do hope to do some uh, a little more, I guess, formal measuring in the future. Um, right now, we're working with our. We have a. We're consulting with Sunrise Senior Living. They have memory care, and we're really trying to make sure that we're providing um, an experience that is beneficial. And learn and improve that. Um, and then we'll start, I think, getting more into some formal measuring. But right now, I think that, that people wanting to come and return, um, the fact that people have signed up and want to come again in October has been a great measurement. So. Yeah. So it seems like this program would stick around. I hope so. Yeah, I hope we can, can do it keep doing it for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, Bill, let's talk more about this collaboration with Sunrise Senior Living, as you, you just mentioned. Um, it's a collaboration with Sunrise Senior Living and Dementia Friendly Illinois, which is a program of the Illinois Cognitive Resources Network. How big is the team that's facilitating the program and, and how were they prepared? So the the Dementia Friendly Illinois did a training for zoo staff that zoo staff could come from and learning about what is dementia? What are different forms of dementia? Alzheimer's being the most common one. And how is, or can you best support guests who come to the zoo, talking with folks, supporting people who are with them? Um, and then with Sunrise, they've stayed on. Uh, a couple of their staff members have come, Olivia and Ashley, to do an amazing job. And they help us, uh, again, giving feedback on what they're seeing. It's been really beneficial because they've had so much experience working in memory care that there are definitely things that they can notice and understand um, that it's that the zoo staff has not had as much experience uh, seeing those relationships between someone with dementia and a care partner and knowing really how we can provide um, a space that gives gives everybody the I guess the best meaningful experience like yeah. that, that like we talked about like scaffolding that and we've learned a lot from them from doing this session the first time to this last time we've learned a lot from them about how to um, how how to really engage our audience and how to provide a, a, a beneficial state space for everybody speaking of space I mean are you doing this in a private space at mm-hmm. the zoo where, where is it being facilitated we do we've been holding it in our in uh, conferences conference rooms at the zoo I so, see yeah. and is there more of an emphasis like when you all get together on on group activities or is there some one-on-one time between like the facilitators and the participants well we really want people to socialize and to talk with zoo staff and have those one-on-one those close conversations but we also want the whole group to get in on the fun and participate and share and and um, so I, I I would say we're trying to do both and make sure that everybody feels included in what we're doing. So. You also you're a busy guy. You serve as a board member at the Cultural Access Collaborative as well, Bill. That's a nonprofit that encourages cultural spaces in Illinois to create accessible programming for folks with disabilities. Talk to us about some of that work on accessibility statewide. Yeah, so the Cultural Accessibility Collaborative was started a few years ago by Christina Gunther and. Uh, Evan Hatfield and Lynn Walsh, who are people who I've learned a lot about providing accessibility from, and they provide a lot of trainings um, about what cultural institutions can do to create accessibility from ticketing, seating, how you, uh, 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 you know, welcoming guests, thinking about uh, audio description. There's a calendar that provides lots of events around the city that have ASL, audio mm. description, captioning, et cetera. So that's a great place to check out. And that there's also an equipment loan program where people can, where venues can borrow for free equipment to do things like captioning, like the screens that you need, the assisted listening systems, things that are expensive and especially like small theaters can't always afford, but they yeah. can rent out for free. Oh, that's great. You know, just digging around at the uh, the Cultural Access Collaborative website, 
website. It says it, quote, believes arts and culture are for everyone. You personally, what drives your passion to, to bring arts and culture to everyone? So I myself am disabled and have always uh, since birth and grew up going to lots of museums, uh, going to cultural things. And I think just as much as uh, as I, I look to make things accessible for myself, um, that I want to make it accessible for other people. I, I have uh, previously worked with people who were blind and low vision and the number of people who thought that things like museums were no longer available to them because of later in life uh, loss of sight. Yeah. Um, to bring these actually meaningful experiences and to um, make it available. You know, I, I think of we were working with a partner at the zoo who works with Chicago Hearing Society, and he himself is deaf and works with people who are deaf and blind. And he talked so much about how often children who are deaf miss out on a lot of things. Mm. And it really convicted me. And it led to us having um, American Sign Language interpreters at our SEAL trainings, our iguana trainings, our our uh, cognition, our gorilla uh, care and cognition trainings, to be able to provide um, ASL so that People don't have to arrange it ahead of time. They can just come to the zoo and prompt to visit, and that is a fully ex- experience of them. And, and about Labor Day, we uh, it, it's just a new program for us, but we're over 100 hours of providing ASL just in about three wow. months. That is incredible. So, so many accessibility offerings at, uh, at Lincoln Park Zoo. The ASL interpretation, uh, you've got accessibility maps too, right? Yes, we've got a map that lets people know those high sensory areas where our caption is distances, and that was um, – made partially in collaboration with folks who identify as disabled, which is really important to us that we are working with the community and with people who um, want to use these services and we're always getting their feedback. Yeah. So how can people attend Memory Enrichment Bill or maybe just reserve and take part in the zoo's other accessibility offerings? Yes, I recommend uh, a great accessibility hub is emailing access at lpzoo.org. We also have an accessibility page on the website that gives lots of information, more resources that we have, like our visual schedule that's available for folks to check out, um, other programming. Uh, and, and it's a great way to arrange for groups or even families, individuals who are looking for program, looking for questions, even just wanting to know about checking out a wheelchair at the zoo and everything else, the accessibility page, and then again, access at lpzoo.org. Bill Green is the Heart Prince Fund Accessibility and Inclusion Manager at the Lincoln Park Zoo. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you. I really appreciate the chance. That episode of the Reset Podcast was produced by Landon Jones and edited by Daniel Tucker. Like what you're hearing on the pod? Well, make sure to smash that subscribe button wherever you listen so that you never miss a beat. I really appreciate you spending part of your day with me. I'm Sasha Ann Simons from Reset, and I will talk to you again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.